Welcome to World History Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Campbell. Ancient India The Mughal Empire The Mughals are not from India. They are from the northern end of the Indus River Valley. The Mughals were Muslims. The Mughal dynasty starts with Babur, who had inherited a part of Timurlank's old empire. With a small but loyal army, he was able to expand his kingdom and conquered Kabul in 1504. He then turned his attentions to the south, towards the Sultanate of Delhi. In 1517, he led his army of about 12,000 men across the Khyber Pass into the subcontinent. Despite being outnumbered, some accounts say 10 to 1, Babur was able to use tactics and superior weapons, especially artillery, to defeat the Sultanate's forces. By 1526, Babur had established a dynasty in India. Babur died in 1531. His son was an ineffective ruler, but in 1556 his grandson Akbar took the throne. Although just 14, Akbar had been well trained in the art of war and diplomacy. He immediately began gaining back the territory lost under his father's rule. By the time he died in 1605, the Mughals ruled almost the entire subcontinent. Akbar is considered the most successful of the Mughal emperors. Although a Muslim, he was very tolerant of other religions. He had Christians present in his court. These were Jesuit monks who acted as advisors. He allowed Hindus to practice their religion, and even allowed Hindus to take low-level government appointments. These low-level positions were called zamindirs. The zamindir was a combination tax collector, mayor, slash regional governor type deal. Rather than receive a salary from the government, the zemindir were granted a small plot of farmland and allowed to keep a small percentage of total taxes collected. This encouraged zemindirs to work to improve the local areas, as this would increase the total taxes collected, thus increasing their revenues. Taxes under Akbar were high, about 33% for peasants, but fair, the more one had, the higher the taxes. However, if a natural disaster or some other unforeseeable act occurred and rendered an area unable to pay, taxes were suspended until the economy improved. Akbar's son Jahangir took the throne in 1605. Jahangir's reign started out well. He continued his father's traditions of a strong central government. However, as he aged, he began to turn his attention away from his duties. Remember, the Mughals were Muslim and Islam allows the taking of more than one wife. Among Jahangir's wives was a Persian named Nur Jahan. Nur Jahan was ambitious and wanted her family to gain in power. She arranged for her niece to marry Jahangir's son and heir, Shah Jahan. Jahangir agreed. Jahangir. When Shah Jahan took the throne of the Mughals in 1627, he inherited an empty treasury and growing tensions between Hindus and Muslims, and despite the arranged nature of his marriage to the Persian Mumtaz Mahal, he loved her dearly. When she died in 1631, Shah Jahan was heartbroken. He built a tomb that would stand as a monument to her beauty and their love. The Taj Mahal took 22 years to complete and is considered to be India's most important building and a World Heritage Site. The cost of this project, though, bankrupted the empire, and Shah Jahan raised taxes on his people to pay for it. This led to widespread unrest in the countryside. 
Toward the end of Shah Jahan's life, he fell ill. While he was sick, he was unable to rule, and two of his sons argued who would take the throne. One of the sons had a son himself, who was actually named Heir, but the boy was too young to take the throne. The other son was named Aurangzeb. Aurangzeb decided to settle the argument by having his brother and his nephew, the heir, publicly executed. He then crowned himself emperor in 1658. Shah Jahan, meanwhile, recovered from his illness, but Aurangzeb declared his father unfit to rule and imprisoned him. Shah Jahan died in prison on January 22, 1666. Aurangzeb is one of India's most controversial rulers. He outlawed Hindu customs, declaring them evil. He tried to outlaw gambling and drinking. He refused to tolerate other religions and forbid the building of new Hindu temples. He forced Hindus to convert to Islam. This caused outright rebellion, which when coupled with outside pressures of European trade policies and Persian marauders, would lead to the end of the Mughal dynasty. The Mughals imposed much of their Muslim societal customs on the Hindu majority in India. Many Islamic traditions regarding treatment of women were adopted in India. Aristocratic women in the Mughal Empire were allowed to own land and conduct business, earning salaries. However, many Hindu societal norms and Muslim societal norms were similar. Women were also isolated to a certain extent. With the exception of incidents such as Aurangzeb's rule, most Hindu practices did not change. And while the merchants and traders grew wealthy, the majority of Indians lived outside the cities in poverty. The largest contribution of Mughal culture to the world was the Taj Mahal. However, many advancements in painting were achieved during the Mughal period. Mughal art blended Persian and Indian influences. This can be seen at the Taj Mahal. However, European influences can also be seen, especially in the paintings of this period. The Mughals also used their wealth to attract poets and artists from the rest of the world. The British in India In 1600, Queen Elizabeth I chartered the East India Company. As a royally chartered company, this gave the East India Company the authority to use military force to protect their trade interests. The British had been trading in India since the 1600s. By 1650, there were trading forts established along the coast. The French too had trading interests on the subcontinent, and Britain and France's long history of warfare extended outside of Europe as well, as English and French battled for control over these ports. Sir Robert Clive was the chief representative of the East India Company in the 1700s. His job was to make sure nobody got in the company's way. This meant he fought with the French and with the Indians to secure control of the coasts. However, in 1756, the Indians showed the English that they would not just give up. In Bengal, Indian forces captured Fort William, a British trading post. The Bengali leader imprisoned 146 British soldiers and others in a room 14 feet wide by 18 feet long. 23 walked out alive, the rest killed by suffocation, trampling, or dehydration. Although some historians doubt the veracity of this claim, the incident, which became known as the Black Hole of Calcutta, served as a rallying cry for the British. In 1757, Clive led 3,000 British East India Company troops against 30,000 Mughals and won. Clive forced the Bengal leader to sign over the rights to collect taxes in the area. 
By 1858, all of India was made part of the British Empire. This has been an episode of World History Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Campbell. Thank you for listening. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons by attribution, share alike, non-commercial 3.0 license. For more information about Creative Commons licensing, please visit creativecommons.org. Music for today's podcast was provided by gemendo.com. The song featured in today's podcast was Maharaja Song by Mirabar off the album Snake Charmer Indian Tour, available for download on gemendo.com.